Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? All right. I hope people think I'm producing a rap album here. All right. So welcome back, guys. This is another exciting edition of Danny Frank's Walks of Life. Uh, You know, I was going to post an episode last week, uh, but I decided not to just because there's so much going on in the world that's like so much more important, to be honest, than this podcast. And it's been a really heavy time. So I've taken the time to kind of reflect on things, um, you know, reflect on the importance (laughs) of the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, you know, and its relation to our civil rights history in general and how it relates to us and I don't know. Without getting too heavy into things, because I know we're all here to escape, uh, I just wanted to say that you know there's a lot of great organizations out there that you can contribute to or help out. You know, just by sending emails to or on behalf of, without having to go out to a protest if that's not your thing. And if it is your thing, right on. I'm right there with you. And you know who else is my guest today, ladies and gentlemen, live from out here. Uh, in COVID land in a little theater in a park somewhere near San Pedro. I'm graced by Ernesto Ledesma. What's up, you guys? And my name is Ernesto Ledesma, and I am excited to be here, and I approve this message. Right on. Uh, so we've already gone over your name. Who are you, Ernesto? Well, uh, I know you from the comedy scene. Uh, you're like one of the guys that I see grinding and working constantly you seem to like not take days off till recently i'm sure mm-hmm. where we were all kind of forced to take a lot of days off yeah this is probably the longest i've i've had with uh with without stand-up and but you know what i did like a one or two spots um you know uh as a rebel that i am i did a couple of undisclosed locations i won't burn them out because a lot of people are angry about that, but I had to I had to perform, you know, once or twice. I couldn't live without it. So but thank you for noticing my grind, sir. No, definitely, dude. You're always one of the most hardworking people that I see consistently uh, in cities all over. Like I've seen you randomly in Lancaster. Yeah. L.A. Uh, I don't think I've seen you in San Diego, but I know you've been down there. You know, like I, I recently not, went out there. Yeah, yeah. It, it would not uh, surprise me to be out in the middle of nowhere, turn around, and there you'd be. <laughs> I tried to, uh, as you well know, stay I mean, busy, man. Yeah, different scenes have different things you can you can get from. Like L.A., of course, is a great networking place. You see, you know, people from all over the place that come to L.A. So you meet all kinds of different people. And the O.C. You, you know, it's a different muscle. You. Some places have more club vibes. Some places, you know, it's like a bar. So you got to flex every muscle. And, of course, as you well know, Lancaster has good, you know, salmon. That's <laughs> right, dude. I know. I've uh, mentioned this way too many times. <laughs> and if you've talked to me long enough, I'm sure you've heard this story before. But one of the best experiences slash weirdest experiences I think I've ever had was getting booked to do uh, 15 minutes out in the middle of Lancaster. It was so crazy. I had to do it because you don't just get 15 minutes offered to you. It was nice. All the time, yeah. So I went out there. Uh, Ernesto was also on the same show. Yeah. We were, like, beyond the middle of nowhere. It was. So we pulled up. And uh, I've, by the way, I've performed here uh, plenty of times before. It's always a great time. But it's always, every time, even though I've been there multiple times, I'm always cashed out. Like, this particular time, I even took a picture of it and I had posted it online that, 
it was a picture in the house right in front of the bar. Yeah. Had like a old El Camino with like like these huge dirt dirt like fucking off-roading tires. Right. And that's such totally a Lancaster thing normal. to do. There was a <laughs> there was some guy in the bar selling Viagra. It was weird. Yeah, that guy alone was made the night weird. He had uh I don't know if he's there's no way he's going to listen to this, but I'm going to assume he's not going to ever listen to this. His name was Hoodlum Priest. Hoodlum this Priest. creepy old guy that like just made too many jokes about pedophilia that it made us both uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. Um, a little bit. A little bit. His car is out front. says Hoodlum Priest on it. It's like a 99 like Civic or something. Yeah. And then it says, says I sell blues, right? I sell blues. Hashtag Hoodlum Priest. And I went in there and I was like, hey, that's your car there? Because he totally looked like a creep. And he's like, yeah, that's my car. And I was like, all right, let me ask you. By blues, you mean Viagra, right? And he was like, that's right. I got Viagra. That's so funny. So we have the Lancaster Viagra Connect. And then the salmon thing is just they have great food there. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't even get into that. So the whole deal was I made it all the way out there, like a (laughs) three-hour drive into the middle of the desert, as you do for comedy. you know. And uh, I didn't anticipate getting paid anything. So you'd imagine my delight to find out we got free dinner, including one of the best choices I've ever made, which is to get their salmon on a bed of broccoli. On a bed of broccoli. Oh, Oh, so good. It was so good. To this day, the best salmon I think I've ever, ever had. Um, They have good food. They do have good food. And and some guy, there was some Dorner guy there talking about Area Area 51 or something. (laughs) Yeah, no, the guy was telling us. was all about it. Heck yeah, dude, that guy was super interesting. Telling us about how he used to be in intelligence and how he uh, he swore that he flew to Area 51. I don't know, that that night was weird. And then that he was had a like weird a phone Lancaster that flipped. Like, it, like, you could, like, <laughs> a, like you could close his phone, but it was like touch. Remember that? Yeah, he didn't believe in smartphones or email or he was weird. anything like that either. Then remember there was a guy that like came in and like, when you come into this bar... You have to go through the security scanner guy. They wand you down. Oh, yeah. And there was, like, some tall, scary dude that came through that beeped a million times on the wand. Oh, yeah. Nobody Proceeded to, like, walk right in. Yeah. And went straight up to the stage and started talking shit to the headliner. And Oh, that was such a that weird That was night. scary for a moment, huh? It was. Because, like, I mean, I was, I don't know. And she was like, fuck you. And then he tried to go up stage and grab her. Or something. We yeah, like, oh my it was God, such what a is... weird night. And the security was like hesitant, trying to level. It. Hey, come on, man. Hey, hey you can't just, just be, be cool, bro. Like you know, like just, you can't like, be punching the secu- people. The security was looking around, like, like, like his eyes were like, help. And we're looking at him like, motherfucker, you, your you help. help, your help. <laughs> but it was a good time. It was a good time. Good food. Yeah. Like I said, I would highly recommend it. Uh, Good people over there at uh, JR's. Uh, what is it called? It's uh, JH Comedies. JH Comedy. That's Josh Higuera. Uh, but his spot is Big Shots in Lancaster. There you go. Big it's Shots gr- in Lancaster. He puts out a great show there, so you guys should go check it out. Yeah, it's a uh, fun, great food. I will say that. And honestly, what other spot are you going to hit out in Lancaster that has comedy, food, and uh, potential bar fights? All right? True. And first off, if you're in Lancaster... 
what else you got going on? It's that and the grocery store. It's that's really it. Have. That's it. It's what you got. So uh, tell me, <laughs> Ernesto. <laughs> Sick ass segue. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> A lot of people like to focus on their segues, <laughs> not me. I like to let things be organic. Uh, so where'd you, where'd you grow up, man? I grew up Because you live over here, right? Um, I live in Southgate now. Yeah. Um, but I grew up in South Central which is right next to Southgate. Uh, you know, I grew I went, I went to school there since like very first time going to school until like uh, freshman year. And then I moved over to um, San Bernardino and I did, I f- went to high school there, I guess. But I grew up in uh, all over the LA area. Right on. And then do you ever think you can see yourself living anywhere else? If you always wanted to stay here, do you think going to the city is your next move? What do you, what are you, your goals? I mean, I spent a lot of time hanging around downtown LA, and I would love to live there. But fortunately, comedy is not paying all the bills, so it's not mm-hmm. like I'm killing it out here, uh, you know. But I do would you have love a day to job. Uh, I work like part time jobs, and then I'll pick up jobs every once in a while. Like I told you, like during this whole COVID thing, all the comedy clubs closed down. So like I was like, all right, let me go fucking have something to do during the day i guess or at all in general so i went and i got a warehouse job and then i got fired obviously but uh <laughs> but just like it that happens. it's like i always get i mean there's places that are always hiring you know and i'm not like the most qualified person for anything but if you want a job you're able to get a job like the next day if you wanted to you know so i never worry too much about that i don't uh i don't worry about like i'm not out here trying to live like lavishly i just as long as I get what I need to be able to get to where I need to get to or get what I need for me to be able to to be able to get by and do stand up and all that, uh, whatever lets me do that, then I'll I'll do that. Right on. Yeah, you've got a big hustler's mentality to me. Like I said, I see it seems like you're always working on something. You're always doing something. You're always driving somewhere. Um, is there anything you could you imagine doing? Other than stand-up? Yeah, I used to want to own a bakery, dude. I Why love do you baking. want to own a bakery? Because I love baking. I yeah? used to be a baker, and I love baking. It's like, it's a lot of fun. It's because it's, I mean, it's a, you can be creative, and you could still, you know, uh, produce something for people that can also feed them, which is awesome, you know? And, uh, and just that alone, it's like, once you know how to bake, it's like stand-up. Once you know how to tell a joke, you can tell jokes, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so it's like, once you know how to bake, even whether it's different forms or shapes of bread if you're not to make bread you can make anything you know mm-hmm. so it's a uh, and it's something i worked in for for like five years so that was like my main industry and uh i just always wanted to man i like you i used never to wanted wanna be, to go to culinary school or anything yeah i used to want to be a chef but let's be real who the fuck's got who's i don't even, i don't know how to begin to do that so i just i, I don't know i never did it yeah. But I always wanted to be a chef. Like, I was obsessed with the Food Channel growing up. And even now, like, um, always been obsessed with the Food Channel. So I was wanted to be a chef. you got a bit of Bourdain in you, I think. Dude, I... I could see you doing that. Like, I always see you in downtown L.A. during the midst of uh, the comedy crawl. Just wandering around, connecting with random groups of people. Oh, uh, dude, it's the shit. That's the best thing about going uh, being able to go everywhere to do stand-up is because... Before it used to be kind of scary, like when uh, 
going to a new place, you don't know anybody, you don't know how people are going to react towards you. And let's be honest, sometimes even if your material's good, they're not going to give you a pass at the at like or a laugh if you if you will. Uh because they don't know you, you know, right. so they're a little bit caught off guard by you as much as you are about the whole place. So one of the best things about traveling everywhere is that no matter where I go is I find pockets of people that I know. So it's always like I always feel welcomed. And I mean, nothing feels better than like going to like a like, let's say a mic or a show that you haven't been to in like months. And then you get there and there's like 12, 13, 14 people that come up to you and say hi. You know what I mean? That's the best part. Right on, man. What inspired you to ever even get back or even get into comedy? You always wanted to be a comedian? I always wanted to be an artist. Like, I always drew and, like, uh, even, like, I'm, my, my mom has, like, report cards of, like, when we were kids. Yeah. Like, fifth grade, up to, like, fifth grade. And they'll always write, like, little notes on the side. And they'll start like, oh, he's a smart kid, but he talks too much. He never pays attention. And, and he's always drawing, you know? And then the later it went, it just became, like, like oh he's always drawing he's always drawing so i always it's always like a thing that i did even uh even when i wasn't supposed to be doing it like in class so uh for Were me you it like was like a troublemaker in class by the way a little bit like i would yeah. draw pictures like really de- i remember and like this had to be like 10th grade i drew a really detailed picture of one of my teacher's faces mm-hmm. and then i drew him uh i drew it on a wiener dog and, I'll, and I pass it around because you're proud of your work, you know? Yeah, it just took me all class to make. So I passed, it I passed it around. And then obviously, you know, when that teacher literally was like, I hate you, go to detention. And I was like, wow, why would you tell a kid you hate him? But I wanted detention. Like, I never went to his class again. I just would rather ditch or go to detention because he just, uh, he made me uncomfortable. Well, that's good, man. I mean, that's. It's not that bad, though. I mean, I've heard much worse stories. It's definitely, yeah, like, definitely worse stuff, but. Uh, as far as a troublemaker, a little bit, but nothing too crazy. But yeah. I always just wanted to be an artist of any kind, whether it was like making cartoons or big pieces or like yeah. painting, drawing, whatever. I, I loved creating and being creative. So that was always my main goal. But, um, you know, the way I got into stand up is like I eventually like I was a latchkey kid. So I'd stay at home and I would draw a lot. Mm-hmm. But while I was drawing or doing whatever the fuck I was doing, I would watch TV which was just happened to be like Comedy Central, you know? Yeah. So I grew up on like Todd Berry and fucking all those East Coast guys or whoever was on on Comedy Central between like <laughs> the 90s and early 2000s. That's like my shit, you know? Yeah, dude. I remember those golden years. Those yeah. were good. How's it going, man? Greg Giraldo, Ted Alexandro, all those fools. Yeah. There's a lot of, I don't know why I call them fools, but yeah, all those people. <laughs> um but essentially that's that's how it came to be and then i mean oh i don't even know but that's sitting there too oh i think it does i think i see a spark we're in a little theater right now there's a in the middle of a park yeah there's a there's a little speaker it seems like a community speaker this guy's checking it out we were we're gonna check it out too i was like oh Oh, nothing yeah There you go. Something. I'm sorry. Um, Yeah, no, uh, but essentially, yeah. So, grew up on all those, on those 90s and early 2000s East Coast comics. A lot of them. Um, Do you have a favorite comic? Or favorite comics, I should say? 
uh, I never uh, a lot of uh, uh, this actually I don't know if I have like favorite ones I definitely have a lot that I like always look up like obviously you know Burr Chappelle comics like that um, but one thing that surprises people about stand up and me is that like I never listened to like uh, Eddie Murphy growing up I never this is uncomfortable now this guy plugged in this sick ass speaker. It is loud. It's a good speaker. Oh yeah. That's so funny. Oh. All right, hold on. Dude did not give a fuck though. Oh, I mean it is. I mean it's a park. It's a public park. Yeah. So we just we had a little a thing with uh. I had to cut because some dude was uh, charging his. His amplifier next to us, of course, as you do in the public park. <laughs> yeah. In a random theater alcove in like a corner. And uh, he turned it on and it was blasting music. And as one does at the park, yeah. of course. Naturally. Um, but we were talking about East Coast comedians uh, being your influence at stuff on Comedy Central in the 90s. So you think that's what led you toward wanting to become a comedian? Yeah, that's very. That's. I mean, it's a very clear path for me staying at home and, like, literally. I mean, I'm a latchkey kid. You're just at home by yourself, you know, just watching TV. And that's, yeah. like, the only thing that you're taking in is, like, stand-up, right? So it just it seems like a very clear path now, now that I think about it. But before, I mean, you know, like, I never thought that that was going to be a thing, you know, until I started, like, maybe 20 maybe 22 i started thinking maybe i could do this or maybe i could dabble in it but i had no idea how to start and then with podcasts and all this information that's out there i picked up listening to a few comics you know and then a you kind of pick up the culture there where it's like this is kind of what you do throughout the night you work on your material you do this and that and you kind of got a sense of like okay i gotta figure out where i fit in that you know and then it wasn't until I was like, I had just turned 24 that I, th- I think I started doing stand-up. I'm 27 now. Uh, but essentially, that's how it was. I just went to, like, I remember one of the first places. I never really even watched stand-up comedy live. And I know that's super long-winded, so stop me whenever. No, it's okay. But I went to, uh, like, uh, one of the very first times where I saw it, stand-up live was at the Ontario Improv. Yeah. And it was uh, one of the open mics that Alec and William were doing. Which was odd, you know. So most of my live experience has been when I've already been doing stand-up. So prior to that, you'd never seen a stand-up show? Never live. Never gone to... Right on. So this whole world was foreign to you. And like, Do you remember what it was like when you first went into the improv? Did oh, it yeah. feel weird, special? or? It was scary. I didn't even get up, you know? Yeah. Uh, but uh, Bruce Jingles was actually there. You know Bruce? I don't know Bruce, but I've heard his name. Yeah, so He's Bruce a big in the there. Inland Empire, right? Yeah. So we were at the Ontario Improv. That's like their spot, you know? So he was there and he was like a guest and he was asking people who had questions about stand-up. And I remember I had already been writing, you know? So I asked them. My question was like about segues. I was like, how do I write a good segue? And he was like, it's good that you're already thinking about segues and that you know about segues so you're already on the good path. But don't worry about that now. If you haven't even done stand-up or if you're in your first years, just f- focus on writing a good joke. And uh, and I remember, like, 
like thinking like dude fuck that i know how to write a joke because i would already been writing but little did i know you know <laughs> little yeah. did i know <laughs> when you say you'd already been writing did you already have an idea of what joke structure was uh, like, did you ever do any of those books or? No, I never read a book. I never took a class. I just uh, watched a lot of stand up. It's uh, and thought I could do it. It's like when you watch too much UFC and you're like, I wish a motherfucker would try to fight me right now. You know I mean? <laughs> yeah. But then, the, interesting enough, though, when I started doing stand up, I started thinking back. I'm like trying to get material out of anywhere, you know. So I started thinking back and there was already jokes that I would tell that I wrote myself in high school and I would just tell people to be able to get a laugh because, again, I never paid attention in class. I spent a lot of my time fucking, like, ditching or drawing or fucking running around, you know? Yeah. Never really paying attention. So I just talked to people and tried to make them laugh. Like, that was, like, what the whole point of class was for me, to try to make people laugh. So there was jokes already that I that I had already mapped out in my head but never written down like one joke for example that was like my big closer like my first few months was uh, a joke that was uh <laughs> uh fuck i can't even think of it. it's a midget joke what is the joke um oh yeah if you kill a midget you only have to serve half the time it's <laughs> so hacky. It's, it's like, so stupid. That was my big It's funny though. I, that's dude, I came up with that in high school, so I was so proud right of on. myself, you know? Yeah, now I look back on uh like do you look back on some of the stuff you've written and realize now like, oh man, you were like not as clever as you thought you were at all. Oh for sure. Like I look back at like ninety percent of the stuff I've written. I'm like, why did you write that? And you like, know what the crazy thing is? Is huh? like once you start figuring it out how like awful it is. And then there's you always see new comics that come in and try to do it. Yeah. And no matter how much you try to help them and be like, hey, dude, like, that's not what you think it is. They got to go through their own self-discovery. Yeah. You know what the fuck you're talking about? Six months later. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, no, when, they kind of they have a point. <laughs> it's like when Bruce was like, don't worry about segways. And I was like, fuck that guy. You don't know what I'm talking about. Right. And I was like, oh, yeah, I can't even really write a joke. Yeah. No, man. Stand up's hard. Uh there's no real guidebook. For, I mean, I guess there's books for you out there and there's classes you can for take. Me, and like, what, what inspires you? It's gotten easier the more I get away from the traditional, this is how you're supposed to do mentality. Yeah. So it, do you have a non-traditional process? Or? For me, it's more, it's more, and I hate that I keep saying for me, but uh, I feel like it's. Sorry, we get it. You're a narcissist. <laughs> yeah. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> I just feel like you, I like wing it and be funny you know what funny is not necessarily wing it like like i'm i'm gonna go up there and just figure and not have a plan on what to talk about more right, as wing it instead up. of like you being like this has to be in this structure in order for it to be funny sometimes it the, you can't describe why you think it's funny sometimes it's funny just because of the way you're saying it you know sometimes it's funny because of the word so it's not like if you could figure out how to just use that part, the part that's funny, you don't necessarily need the setup or punchline, I don't think so. I mean, it definitely helps, but there's no, I think with all the information that's out, there's a lot of people that can write a joke because they know what a joke structure is. It's like a lot of people can write a song or they can make a song, like any like hip hop song or whatever type of song, because there's a way that they know it's supposed to go. But it's hard to take an art form and instead of you you know forming your shit around it is you 
take that art form and then you mold it into what you want it to be. And it's still, and the fun part is for it to be uh, still relevant to everybody else, I guess. That's what I'm saying. Right on. <laughs> it's, I don't know. Just, I feel like you can, if anybody that tells you how to do a thing, oh, do it this way or do it that way, it's like, shut the fuck up. You could figure it out. You know, so you're what's very funny. much a pro experimentation kind of person. Throw a bunch of shit at the wall and see what sticks. Or just go out there and figure it out for yourself. Like, it's kind of like yeah. when we we're talking about the protest earlier, where it's like uh, a lot of people just, you know, they see it online or whatever, and it's like, oh, it's horrible. And then there's this and that because it's portrayed a certain way. But once you get there and you experience it yourself, then you can make your own. You can you have your own perspective of it, and that's the fun part. It's it's your perspective. Just shove it down people's throats, and and then make it to where they agree with it, and they could see what you're seeing, even right. if it's not the common perspective. Exactly. So you're saying have a common or don't have a common perspective. Go out there, do your own research, and see what things are like. Yeah, with everything, with life, yeah. with everything. Yeah, dude, no, I'd agree, and that's kind of a lot of stand up. This is trial by error. Mm-hmm. Guess and check. In fact, that's a lot of life in general. Yes. Um, I'm sorry, I'm very long-winded. I'll try to keep these short. No, no, you're good, man. Um, we're here on a podcast to be long-winded, you know? <laughs> All right. And I, you know, it's better to have authentic conversations than to have them too structured. I mean, we've got the questions and all that. Um, but there's just so much going on in the world these days that there's a ton of shit we could talk about, like... Yeah, you know, we're in the COVID times right now. We shouldn't be talking to each other. We shouldn't be in a park right now because it's technically illegal, I think. Isn't it? Still. Ho- like, I'm we try sure. to drive up to a park to sit at a certain spot, and the park was shut, were like closed down, gated off, and there was more people there than there probably would have been if the park was open. Right, and then on the way here, we saw a National Guardsman just chilling with his gun out on the street, and it's just... Special times, man, like with the Black Lives Matter protests going on because of everything that happened with Breonna Taylor and George Floyd and like and police brutality in general. Yeah, it's a weird time in American history. We're all on lockdown and like it's a lot of fucking change in the air. It's crazy. Strange. It's crazy that they get to send you. I was telling Danny about this earlier. I got stuck at uh, one of the uh, like riots or protests or whatever you want to call it out in downtown LA because I almost felt like they set us up, the police, because they sent us uh, a text message that morning. They sent us a text message for when our curfew is like, we're fucking children. You know what I mean? So everybody gets this text message and it said it was 8 o'clock and then like at 5.30, then they sent another message saying the curfew was pushed up to 6 o'clock. So now like you don't even have time to get out of the city, really. Yeah. Meanwhile, I think the ACLU challenged them and filed the lawsuit, which led them to drop the curfew in general. I don't think there's a curfew at all in California anymore. No, it's already been like two days, I think. Yeah. Okay. But it, I, the last one they did, it they pushed it to like 10 o'clock. To, yeah. Oh, it's like, oh, daddy's giving us a little freedom, huh? We can stay up a little late, you know? Yeah. But it's, if it's still like, shut the fuck up. Don't tell us what to do. It's it is strange to be used to such a level of freedom and then like you say see kind of like the veil of what you know our civilization is kind of get lifted a little bit by yeah. everything that's been going on like turns out the people we have in power aren't the best equipped for it uh 
are aren't necessarily more better equipped than we would be to handle these situations. Mm-hmm. Like they're all kind of making it up as they come along. I think that's what uh, and one of the issues is with police is that they should feel confident going into a situation with a regular civilian, uh, knowing that they did all they can to be better equipped to deal with a situation that might, you know, go Before violent or whatever, violence. you know. So I, what I'm saying is like they a lot of the times when they a lot of the shootings happen is because they walk up to people already apprehensive because they're they're trained to think like this person's going to try to kill me or this person's going to try to do this to me. And they're not trained enough to be able to deal with a situation without reaching for their gun. They're trained to deal with their gun. So I think if they're just better training for police, I don't think there's a lot of talk about abolishing police and then defunding them. And Yeah, I never would have thought I'd see the day where they're literally taking money out of the police budget to redistribute into society. Like, that's crazy to me. It's cool. And I, I'm kind of with it, but at the same time, like, it's just so radically progressive, and it's crazy to think, too. Uh, in a good way, it's, like we were talking about earlier, like, it's inspiring to see that, you know, as a direct consequence of the protesting, a lot of policies changed. You know, the charges for the police officers were issued uh, as a direct result of the pol- uh, protesting. And like, none like- of that stuff would have happened had we not gone Protested. out there in the streets against what was advised of us you know exactly that is that that's the most important part is that there's people going out there and then they're you know condemning anybody who's protesting anybody who's quote-unquote rioting or looting i mean this stuff happens but at the end of the day the plan was to protest people came in and they took advantage of the situation it's going to happen yeah. in any situation but the plan was to protest and they didn't want us to even protest and it's been days dude it's been like a week already you know and yeah. then look at it now all 50 states are are marching for the same thing and protesting as well for as other thing. countries exactly and it's cool and the fact that we're doing it's it very without inspiring. without their permission and and getting something positive out of it for uh you know a bunch of different communities is is i mean that should go to show that like even if you don't want us to protest good things come of it you just have to do it you know i gotta say i in unison like as a team yeah and i've got to admit like it's a amazing display of unity to see all these people you know standing up against wrongdoing unanimously so quickly too um and it's something that i feel like i maybe had lost uh hoping for a while you know and to see all this Same. change happening uh in my lifetime has really really been a fucking amazing gift same because i feel like too that during this time i don't know about you but like being stuck at home because like we're ordered to for months at a time it's really had me thinking about the things that i actually enjoy doing in life yeah that makes keep sense doing right that makes sense because i mean everybody's accustomed to a certain lifestyle and Without us knowing that we we were so free and they they took a whole bunch of shit away from us. I mean, the the economy is literally collapsing. You know, they took fucking stores away from you. Like you can't just walk freely into a store without like somebody basically checking your temperature. You know what I mean? Yeah, or a restaurant or. Yeah, we can't even eat indoors or like being able to hang out like here in person and have like human contact. We we're so important, super important dude, because yeah, and I've missed like, it. So many friends of mine are like staying awake super late at night, being depressed and shit. People that are usually inactive at those hours. And it's because like nobody, 
nobody really has had any human contact and we're like a uh a species that fucking kind of needs that you know yeah. it's important for us so when you especially take that away, the stand-up comedians man like so much of uh our social interaction comes from being at mics with without the mics we're a social animal who are we gonna talk to ourselves exactly probably it but. felt so good <laughs> <laughs> it felt so good to perform in front of people dude especially with yeah even with all that of people not wanting you to so you performed and you weren't afraid of catching anything i didn't uh i didn't share like cigarettes or or water or bottles or anything with anybody you know? yeah but you shared the same microphone i shared the same microphone and i'll tell you this i even went as far as to like i saw like a couple of comics not even that i'm necessarily like the closest with but i gave them like huge 10 second long hugs just because I, I you miss people man i miss interactions and and the hang after the mic and before the mic and watching everybody's excitement were like where it's like, oh shit, here we go. We're gonna perform for the first time in a while. It's insane. And then getting on stage, I I did two sets in one particular day. And where was the set? Uh, I'd rather not say. Yeah, for sure. But um, no but worries. I did two sets in one particular day, and uh, so it was, it was just you know 15 minutes uh, in total. But the first half of the 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 15 minutes. It, it was okay. I talked a lot about, like, what obviously what was going on. But none none of that was necessarily worked out material. You know, I haven't been in front of people in a while. So I don't know if it was going to work. So when it worked, it was, like, extra exciting, you know. It was like, I'm fucking back, bitches. That's how it felt. It was so <laughs> exciting. Dude, I can only imagine. I've been kind of afraid to do the Zoom and virtual mics and all that stuff. So, like, the second I'm allowed back on the stage and I get even one joke that gets a laugh i think i'm gonna feel so good again oh i almost i came. feel so useless damn <laughs> no, <I'm> that's <laughs> that's it's powerful it's powerful nah man but i mean <laughs> it's cool to see even that a whole new world yeah. for stand-up came of of this the zoom comedy world yeah. it's a thing folks it is a fucking thing i have a friend do Mario you honestly Caballero. think it's pretty good though dude it's good networking plays and it's better than nothing Okay. It's better than nothing. I'll what are you that, gonna go yeah. watch one of your friends go live for three people and, and <laughs> one of those things where he's already talking when you join and you're the first one. So it's like, who the fuck were you talking to before me? You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm just saying, dude. Like the second quarantine is over and it's no longer like it's as soon as it's an option to not engage in Zoom comedy, I feel like that's gonna be the direction. Look, I'll tell you how. Going, but I'll tell you we'll how see. it was a positive thing. My friend Mario Caballero. He's doing from the comfort of his living rooms, uh, open mics and scenes from uh, San Francisco to Miami, even Russia. That's pretty cool. Okay, so that's and badass. Have, and he's heard. been paid. And all the, also another friend of mine, she got like a like a uh, you know, a, two of my friends actually, uh, both females. I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but they got a. Uh, uh, Zoom shows that corporate shows. One of them I know for sure for a fact paid uh, four figures. So what? Yeah, that's insane to think of. Making money off any of this is insane to think of. When it happens, mm-hmm. you're always so delighted. Um, but man, I, I can't imagine making money off of Zoom comedy. It's very corporate. Uh, it's corporate friendly. That's for it damn definitely sure. Definitely is. Right? All yeah. you have to do is you know sit at home and hop on a meeting and then all you got you know you pay a comic to i do feel like if show. you're a comic taking the money for a zoom comedy show 
and it's like four figures, you got to be like losing your shit in your mind. Oh, yeah. Just trying not like to like reveal yourself yeah. as a fraud. Like, there's no way in hell this is worth <laughs> any of this. I just made this entire field up. Like, when they're like, I got a wig. When they're We're going like, to figure it out. Hey, could you do this for this amount of money? And then in, in your face is completely calm, and you're like, uh, I think that'll work. But inside, you're like, oh! You're any amount of money. <laughs> got him. Got exactly. him. No, but, uh, but it's good because, it, see, when one of those jobs comes along where they give you a little a little chunk of change like that, that's nice because it makes up for the, all the all the nights that you didn't get paid or you got paid in fish or all the nights driving three hours good fish but <laughs> it's, it's not fucking fish. it's not enough to fucking keep a whole industry alive no uh, you know it's or all those nights that you went in the red just going out you know yeah because that's the thing dude comedy is a very expensive hobby uh do you have any other hobbies outside of comedy or is comedy the I used to paint. Yeah. I haven't anymore, and I don't even have the room for it. Um, you know, because I would love to get back into it, but I need, like, my own place or, like, a place that I feel comfortable because it becomes once, – once I start letting my creativity just go where it needs to go, I become, like, a like a controlled mess. I know everything that – where everything's at, but there's shit everywhere, and everything's half-finished. There's – shit all over the walls that i'm working on i seem like a madman but those are the happiest times of my life man so i'd love to get back to doing extra curricular curricular activities outside of stand-up hey, you can will it dude you just gotta find find a way to schedule the time i guess and all, but since uh starting stand-up i just i'm not as passionate I feel about other that. things like i never dude it's crazy maybe it's like i kind of feel like how people I kind of understand how people feel when they have a baby because, like, before this, like, I never, everything was like, oh, okay, whatever. I would do it and, like, something brought me joy, but never close to as much as I've gotten out of stand-up. Like, it's just, like, made me a, a whole better person, you know what I mean? Like, in general. Or um, just confident is once, you know, way more confident, uh, funnier, uh, interesting. I'm just a whole different person because of it. So I've gotten so much from stand-up that that everything else seems like it's pales like it's in like, comparison yeah. right yeah no I, I can agree with that like i feel like a lot of people that have talked to me too have said like that kind of feels like i've become a new person as a result of stand up and in a positive way it really does allow you to kind of blossom and figure out who you are as a person yeah a lot of times and when it comes to expressing yourself as an individual there's always a fear of like, oh, I might be rejected for this, or people are gonna think I'm weird, and you get like ten years of experience, right? Yeah, and like a fucking night one day when you bomb in front of like eighty people, and you're like, oh, that's eighty different circumstances where I was gonna have to eat shit with those people to feel this what I just feel in one shot right here right now, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's true. And that I mean, and sometimes it's all it takes to. <laughs> Make you find the motivation to be better. How many times are you waiting to go on a show that you know it's going to be shitty? And in your head, you're just thinking, like, I mean, I already bombed really hard at this other place. It can't be worse than that. Like, you know, right, what I mean? yeah. <laughs> That's happened to me, you know. So even, even the bombs, even when stand up is going bad and it's going horrible, it's better than not having it. So now I feel you on that, man. It's the best. All right, man. Well, kind of winding down 
Let's have a couple more questions for you. Yeah, shoot. Uh, if you could go back in time and like tell your younger self a bit of advice, or maybe even give some advice out to people out there that you think has helped you in your like journey along in life, or even stand up specifically, if you want. Uh, does anything come to mind? Uh, just be more open-minded and and uh, allow yourself to fail more. And mm, and just uh, like accept more of what like the positive shit that comes your way, because I know a lot of times people like you get in your own head and you get in your own way of positive things in life because you're more comfortable with shitty things happening you know it's kind of like when you go for a job and you're like why would i get this job i'd never get the job before uh just just go for it go for it every time like more positive shit will happen if you just go for what really makes you happy so just accept more positive things by going for it more and i think one of the best things for me is like I started doing things that like I only started doing things that make me happy, you know. Like it's if pretty it good didn't, way to live. if it didn't make me happy, then it's like get the fuck out of here. I don't need it, you know. Mm -hmm. So only do that, and I mean, there's no way that that you can't that you won't be able to make a positive life for yourself. And I mean, it's never gonna be perfect, but <laughs> but it could be better, I guess. Sorry, I don't know if anybody else hears that. Sounds like a giant fucking crop plane went over the entire theater. Mm, yeah. But that and uh, don't I mean, just be yourself no matter what. There's already a billion other other people, you know what I mean, doing their thing. So might as well be your authentic self, too. right? Yep. I feel you on that, man. I would totally agree. All right. Uh, well, before we get going, are there any closing words? Anything you want to promote? Favorite quotes? Um, uh, I definitely I fucks with Bukowski. Don't try. You know what I mean? Don't try to don't try to be the person you think people want you to be. Be who you are. Just be just do the thing. All right. Whether it is you want to fucking cook or you want to paint or you want to tell jokes or be a fucking astronaut, whatever, just just don't even try just do what that person would do and then all of a sudden you'll find that you are that okay and um that's that's about it all right man uh before we go just is there the a thing. song that you can suggest to us that's meaningful to you means something i know you told me to think about this earlier and i and i so didn't uh let me see it's okay hold on all right, I'm uh, I'm gonna just go have to go ahead and say I'm gonna go with "Wishes and Luck" by Cool Compete. That's a song that always, I always keep it in my repertoire, and it it always makes me happy. Yeah, say it one more time. Cool Compete, uh, "Wishes and Luck." All right, we well, heard it first. This is Ernesto Ledesma and Danny Frank, coming at you live from this park in the middle of an undisclosed location by the ocean. Oh, follow me on Instagram, ErnestoLedesma.comedy. Um, you can find all kinds of shit there and you heard that so make sure to give them a follow and uh, if you can please rate subscribe to the podcast and uh, leave a comment let me know if it's working or if it's not working if I should tweak anything for you uh, let me know what what's interesting what's not 
Uh, as always, my name is Danny Frank. You can find me at Danny Frank Comedy on almost everything. That's Danny, F-R-A-N-C. And this is Danny Frank's Walks of Life. Thanks for listening. <laughs>